You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are so pleased to be with uh, State Senator Paul Mark, who uh, is the senator from the Berkshire, Hampton, Franklin, and Hampshire District, who uh, has been, uh, well, he's been a busy senator (laughs) this past uh, portion of this session of the legislature. And uh, I just want to say Happy New Year to you, Senator. Happy New Year. And today we kick off the second annual session of the 193rd General Court in Boston. (laughs) Wow. And for anybody to do the math, multiply 193 times two, because every session is two years. It's a lot of years that we've been in session, isn't it? And we should note that the General Court is the fancy name for the Massachusetts legislature. Yeah, right. Indeed. One of of two states that retain that name, uh, us in New Hampshire. Well, so... I got to ask, what are your priorities in 2024? Yeah, so so the priorities are going to continue for me personally in this district. They're going to continue to be how do I bring back as many resources as possible to our area, especially to uh, the rural communities that are typically forgotten and, and kind of left behind, and then how do I put the stamp of our region on onto each piece of policy that that ends up coming through and so what, what we're looking at as we as we move into this second annual session which is just a fancy way of saying this is the the second year of, of the two-year session uh, begins on the on the first Wednesday of the new year um, what are we looking at we're looking at housing bond bill we're looking at an economic development bill we're hopefully looking at the transportation bond bill and we're certainly considering on the Senate side something the House already passed in terms of a gun safety bill. So you got at least four major major pieces of legislation that are going to that are going to be coming before us in the next uh, eight months. And then also we'll, we'll be um, kicking into high gear at the end of this month, getting started on the state budget, which inevitably is always the biggest piece of legislation. And then I'm also uh, pleased uh, on, on the Telecommunications Utilities and Energy Committee that has been kind of dysfunctional for the last year. is starting to regroup and starting to get more friendly and collegial, and we're starting to work on a, a, a grid, electrical grid uh, advancement and, and modernization bill as well. And so I guess to start with the housing bill, because it seems to be the most timely, uh, we're looking at a hearing on January 18th, and uh, hearings now, people from any part of the state can jump on virtually if you want to listen in, you want to offer testimony, and you're always welcome to send a long email. And so the House and Senate are taking right now what the governor proposed and breaking it down and figuring out what will work in each of our regions, what do we think is the most important priority, and the House will probably come up with a version before the Senate, because that's generally the way things work, especially if they involve money. Uh, but so now is really the time if, if, if people are interested in solutions that will work for Western Massachusetts uh, to make those known. And myself and others, we've already had on the Senate side, Chair Lydia Edwards come out. She visited town of Chester with me, really small town in, in uh, rural Hamden County. Uh, she visited Great Barrington with me, kind of a middle-sized small town in the Berkshires. Um, so she got to see a lot of different things. I know she toured maybe Greenfield and, and, and that area as well. And then the House chair had previously been out to, to Pittsfield, so he's seen, you know, real gateway city and what, what could work out there. So it's 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 we're talking like the neighborhood of four billion dollars and how do we make this as effective as possible to get as much housing and housing stability and start lowering prices for people out here in, in, in the, all of Massachusetts. 
Uh, Senator, are we talking about, are you talking about mixed housing, then mixed uh, income kind of housing, or are we talking about low-income housing and affordable housing? Uh, because it makes a huge difference, and I'd appreciate if you could give us some focus on what you think the, if not the solution, at least what's the, what the yeah. program should be. Yeah, ideally it's a mix. So, so you'll have a, a mix of how do we get more market rate housing, how do we get more affordable housing, how do we get tax incentives and credits and, and even direct funding, and then also how do we get more public housing? Because, I mean, I, th- I think that's an important component. And one of the priorities for the governor that she announced, boy, I think in her uh, swearing-in speech, speech last year, is how do we take even state property that maybe is unutilized or underutilized how do we convert that into housing units? And then there's going to be some policy pieces as well. I think she proposed making these accessi- uh, accessory dwelling units available by right, regardless of town zoning. I know in the past, Governor Baker had proposed changing how zoning works, that you could um, you could use a simple majority as opposed to a two-thirds majority. So there's, there's going to be a lot of things in the mix right now as, as proposed. And, and if you look at what the governor has put out there initially there, like I said, there's about $4 billion worth of funding in there and it, and it cuts across all, all levels. And so when I start to think about what works in my district, so in Pittsfield, you want a mix of affordable and um, I, I guess what they call market housing. You want, you want incentives for people to find Pittsfield attractive and for people to want to build there. But then I'm also looking at something like really specific in, in Pittsfield and the Berkshires in terms of we have a number of seasonal artistic venues like the Colonial Theater, like Jacob's Pillow, like Shakespeare and Company, like Barrington Stage, and they're having trouble with workforce. They're having trouble with a seasonal workforce. So how do we maybe help workforce housing as well? And, and the same thing's true in, in, uh, in Asheville. I've been, I've been talking with uh, Double Edge Theater. As, as they undertake their plans for the region, like how do we, how do we help support a stable workforce and a workforce that is going to be able to find the housing they need when they're doing something that's you know really valuable, I think, to the community, like in terms of the arts. Well, I guess my question is, what's the answer to that? Do you have an opinion as to how we <laughs> how we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for for um, the artistic community specifically, like I said, I'm, I'm working with these local organizations, one in one in Pittsfield and one in Franklin County, on um, getting them some kind of a funding to help them with projects that they're already working on. And so it's it's, it's interesting because when we talk about four billion dollars, you start to think, well, what's a fortieth of that? Because <laughs> that's what I want to get for my district. And so. You know, sometimes sometimes they throw around some big numbers, and I guess uh, what I'll end up proposing will probably be on the high side, and hopefully will be enough. But then when you when you when I met with Double Edge Theater just last week, and we were discussing this idea, a question that comes up and it comes up throughout the rural communities is, do you have adequate septic and water to support, say, fifty new residents in in the town of Ashfield? And that's something that when we brought out, when I brought out Chair Lydia Edwards, who represents East Boston and Revere, and we went down to Chester, and that was something that was discussed with her, and it was something she had never thought about, because why would she? In, in East Boston or Revere, you, you want to add new units, you add on to the sewer that exists, and 
I don't know all the specifics of how their water treatment and water availability works, but they have they have a foundation that they can add on and extend. Whereas you want to drop, um, we've been talking about Asheville. Let's pick let's pick on a different town. You want to you want to drop 50 units in Goshen. You need to find a way to provide these basic these most basic services for these people, or else there's absolutely no way. The lieutenant governor came out. And she said, almost like jokingly, well, there's so much land here. Why don't you just, why don't we just start building a bunch of stuff out here? And that's one of the major factors because how how are people going to live? Um, you can't just live in a house that doesn't have running water. <laughs> it's not only that, but the, all those lakes in Goshen, uh, you, you you can't pollute them. You have to put the uh, yeah, water. Goshen per, the, right. yep. Yeah, it's a real problem. Bill had asked. Yep. Um, you had mentioned gun uh, legislation <laughs> about guns, so. Um, Obviously, especially during the supplemental uh, budget, uh, I think it ended up $3.1 billion. During that process, we realized just how cumbersome the legislative process can be. What's going to happen with gun legislation? Yeah, the, the Senate's working on a version. So the House obviously passed their version, and it was passed overwhelmingly, certainly with a veto-proof majority. Um, and And there were a lot of people... In my district specifically, as they considered the initial drafts that had a lot to say about it, mostly in the negative, and um, I think a group there's there's people that are going to call up, and no matter what you try to propose, no, no matter how well thought out it is, they're just going to be against it, and that and that's fine. And then there's other people that are going to be in the exact opposite that that they think there should be no guns at all, and 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 please go as far as you possibly can. So when you take out those people, then and you start to hear in the middle, what are people that have thought this out, that have actual complaints, what do they think? Um, a group that stood out was like the, the, the chiefs of police. And when chiefs of police, who I would naturally assume just want to get as many guns off the street as possible, are calling up and saying, we don't like what the House did. We actually came out in opposition to this. That makes you start to think. And so the, the, the Western Mass Senate delegation, we, we had a meeting with the chiefs. I then met with my not all 57 of them, but but many of my chiefs uh, personally to kind of discuss what they were against and what they were for. And so now the Senate has a working group that is that is trying to craft a bill, and the Senate president is saying the initial version is going to come out either in late January or, or February. And we've all had the chance to speak with the majority leader, and uh, she's leading this, this task force and, and give her some of our thoughts. And, you know, the hope is We'll come up with something's going to happen. We're going to come up with something, and then it's going to have to be reconciled with what the House did. And I know the governor is going to want to sign something as well. Um, the balance is how do we come up with something that works for both the western part of the state, the rural communities in the western part of the state, and the eastern part of the state? And then how do we come up with something that is going to meet the constitutional requirements of the current Supreme Court? Because I'm looking at what happened in California. And they did a pretty big ban on um, carrying uh, firearms in many public places, and I think many private places as well, and it's already being challenged. And so trying to figure out the contours of what is constitutionally acceptable and what is actually going to make a difference in terms of reducing any kind of um, gun violence, I think, is, is really important. And uh, are you going to be sponsoring any any amendments or any uh, bills in that regard? Mm -hmm. It, it, it depends on what on what we see uh, emerge from the working group. I said I, I had my meeting with the uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Cindy Cream, and 
what what I what I really think is important is ghost guns is, is how do we make sure that there's a fear people think that someone's going to buy a 3D printer and they're going to print up a completely untraceable gun in their home and so what I talked about with her is like how realistic is that um, what actually should qualify as this ghost gun and what should not and then just how do we make how do we make sure that nobody's nobody actually has a weapon that is not traceable? Like that 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 is important to me. I think that's important to everyone, no matter what side of of uh, the debate you might be on. And then how do we balance that with? There was uh, initially a proposal to I think it was under eighteen to stop to stop um, anyone under the age of eighteen from handling. And it's like, well, people here maybe compete in youth sports and, and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a different tradition. And the House ended up not including that because they did, they did understand that something that maybe makes sense in Newton doesn't always make sense in, in some of the hill towns. We are talking with Senator Paul Mark. The <clears throat> headline in the Daily Hampshire Gazette above the fold today is towns get a mid-year boost for road fixes and that there's a new state formula for counting mileage benefits and that that formula benefits rural communities. We're going to come back and talk more about that with Senator Paul Mark right after this. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we're continuing our conversation with Senator for the Berkshire, Hamden, Franklin and Hampshire District, Paul, Mark, and uh, I sort of teased that we wanted to uh, move on and talk a little bit about uh, those proceeds from the Fair Share Amendment, um, the what's called the Millionaire's Tax, um, being uh, allocated between transportation and education. But, Bill, you were saying that we really didn't complete our conversation about gun legislation. Yeah, Senator Mark, what I'd like to know is, are you confident that the Massachusetts legislature, specifically the Senate, because the House has already passed a bill on gun safety, the Senate will, in fact, pass a bill uh, it will end up in a conference committee. It will end up on the governor's desk, and that will happen by the end of this session, or no? I, I, I definitely think the Senate's going to pass a bill, and I think it's going to be before um, before March, and then that gives five months for the two versions to be reconciled. And so what, what seems to happen is uh, I, I bet that around J- July 29th we're going to see what this final version is going to look like and that something is going to go to the governor's desk. Um, I just I, I caution that we've been in a weird situation in terms of things are taking longer than I've ever seen, and the disagreements seem to be relatively minor, but seem to be somehow larger. The gaps seem to be larger, just just like we talked about the supplemental budget. I've, I've never seen that happen, and no one else could remember a time where we were called in to make a quorum in the middle of December to to get a to get a vote. That, that should have been a, a no-brainer. It should have been three, three weeks earlier done. So I, I, I caution that, but assuming all else being equal and that in the end all the log jams break through and every bill that we're going to work on is going to get done in the end, yeah, I, 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 think, I think this is one that's going to be important is going to get to the governor's desk for sure. Well, Senator Palmark, I want to talk to you about the proceeds, the, the monies that are being generated by what was called the Fair Share Amendment when we – uh, passed yep. it by uh, uh, voters, passed it in 2022. It has become law. The projections are as much as $2 billion annually um, to support transportation and public education. 
Um, and I know that both education, public education and transportation are something that you feel very uh, passionately about, but right now the money is being allocated for transportation. How do you feel about those decisions? Yeah, so this is $50 million, which is, we, we allocated this in the Senate side, and it goes back to a debate we had on the Chapter 90 funding, which is the general road money uh, that, that towns and cities get by a formula, and a conversation I started in the Berkshires where we had the chair Ways and Means president, uh, and we had the Senate president out to uh, the Berkshires as well, and she spoke with the mayor of North Adams. It, it came to this decision on the Senate side, and this is what I made my first speech in the Senate about, was making a balance between half of the uh, $25 million of, of traditional road money should be a bonus for every community. But then how do we get in the smallest towns, how do we get them a little extra, especially in towns that are fewer than 2,000 people that have basically no ability to compete for grants because they have very limited staff, if any. And so I was able to get $25 million added to that Chapter 90 bond dedicated to rural communities. And so what we've seen as that conference committee dragged on, and I was a member of that conference committee, we put this $50 million also into the state budget. And so I believe that is what is now being allocated, and it is being allocated and um, um, attributed to money from the Fair Share Amendment, which is what the purpose of the Fair Share Amendment was, was how do we get extra money for transportation and for education? And so while I think ideally the money of the Fair Share Amendment will get split equally between transportation and education, this money that is for transportation, I think came out awesome because you're going to see the towns in my district specifically, um, 55 of them, are going to qualify for this extra bunch of road money that they've never been able to, uh, to, to get before. So it's going to be a first time, like a, like a doubling or a tripling in some cases, of their yearly road money. And then cities like Pittsfield and North Adams, which are important to me as well, are also going to get a bump. And, and what's really good about this is that in Western Massachusetts, we overwhelmingly supported this fair share amendment. And now we're getting a direct payback on those efforts. And that's, that's great. And just to remind people, the Fair Share Amendment taxes uh, people who earn in excess of $1 million a year. Um, so it's called the Millionaire's Tax, but it's, uh, I don't think that they'll miss the money that much, but I know it'll make a big difference for, uh, well, as you just heard, uh, 55 of the 57 communities that, uh, that Senator Paul Mark represents. But everyone's going to get something is important, too. Is, 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 is $25 million of it is going to go the traditional formula, a bonus, and then $25 million is going to be based on the mileage. It's going to take out the population factor and the employment factor. And so, again, like a community like like, uh, like Chesterfield is going to get more money than it's probably ever received. It's really terrific. And so many of our uh, roads and bridges are in such dire need of repair and are on the verge of being unsafe. So it is good news. Senator Paul Mark, uh, we can't thank you enough every time you come on the program we are so grateful that you do so. I know how busy you are and that you find time to talk to us. And we wish you a successful year. Your success is our success. <laughs> Amen and vice versa. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Senator Paul Marsh. Have a great 2024. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on Talk to Talk today. Have a wonderful rest of the day. 
This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP.